Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Sonny Senoir, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Sonny, what's up? Not too much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you came in. We're going to talk about some interesting stuff. Before we get started, I need to let everyone know that this episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Also, if you are feeling squirrely, you can head on over to YouTube and watch the video portion of this or check us out on Instagram and at Startup Hustle Podcast. So as we get into today's episode, Sonny is the founder and CEO of Dynamics. And you know, we love it when you're interactive. So pay attention for the spelling here. We want you to go to D-Y-N-A-M-H-E-X.com, Dynamics. That's right. So Sonny, let's talk about what you do, man. This is some climate change startup action. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, things have been heating up on the climate change side. Literally. literally. <laughs> um, and, you know, companies are out there trying to solve, you know, do their part and, and try to help solve things. So enterprises, you know, corporations, cities, um, small businesses, they're all equally affected. And uh, sometimes they want to know what they could do. And that's where we come in. You know, with Dynamics, we uh, kind of show them the full suite of options they have available to them. We engage with their own data in terms of their um, consumption of different resources, electricity, natural gas, their fleet vehicles, in all the things that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. We ingest all that data and we show them their impact. We show them what are optimal options on how to decarbonize, how to react to different climate risks. And uh, it's been it's been very, you know, an interesting journey. We're a young company, but we've worked with uh, a few cities and a few companies uh, and, and they're understanding now that they have a lot of opportunities and uh, they actually want to do the right thing. We just show them how. Sure. And just to give a little background, you're currently involved with the uh, city of Kansas city and some suburban areas around it and also good old DC. So, you know, climate change is, is obviously it's a hot topic. It's something that's been discussed and, you know, you look at, at something that is this global issue and, you know, whether no matter where you stand on the politics of this, it's here and it's happening and it has the ability to have a profound effect on world economics and so many other things. And, you know, like with my own background, I've spent a lot of time watching this. I think it started like 20 years ago when I was in college, I wrote a paper on sustainability and I was like, Oh wow. You know, and, and it's something that, Oh man, I don't think we were doing a whole lot about, but maybe we are. And, you know, the solutions to one problem present another set of problems that Absolutely. need to be solved. And that's what you're trying to help some of these folks balance out. Is that correct? Exactly. You know, just look at the uh, the full set of options available, how they're interrelated, um, what you have the uh, ability to work um, on, what you, you know, may not have structural ability to do things with. So just, I think companies, you know, they understand, like you said, sustainability, it's huge, right? It's big. It's now... Um, you know, folks in finance are now getting into this entire topic and it, it, it's made it very real for companies and organizations. So, um, you know, they, they really want simplification of what they can do. You know, they're not right. going to spend 
orders, you know, thinking about a problem. We just have to make it palatable for them. We have to make it um, quick and easy, just kind of, you know, like a dashboard. Be like, okay, here's everything you, you deal with. Here are your options. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. And they appreciate it. They're like, okay, well, now it's it's not a global problem. It's something that I can take a bite out of. Well, you look at something that's, that is a global issue, but there's not a silver bullet solution that's going to fix any of it. And then it's, you know, anytime you... Um, you want to get to some solutions, you have to work backwards. Yeah. And you say, this is where we want to be. And now let's go backwards and we got to break it down into a bunch of little bite-sized pieces. Yep. And, you know, you talk about, uh, this is a complex problem, but there are a bunch of simple answers yeah. that when pieced together will at least make a dent in this. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's where we're trying to, to go. So, you know, you mentioned before we started recording and we sat down and talked for a couple minutes that um, over the last couple decades, climate change hasn't been a, uh, hasn't been something that startups have focused on. Yeah. So, are you seeing that changing? Yeah, I think you know the the mantra of startups is that you figure out customer pain points. And um, you know, a decade ago, I don't think customers really had the dictionary to like say what those pain points were. But now, in present day, you see a lot of climate risks and, you know, people having backlashes in terms of their brand and what it represents. So now, in modern days, it's been easier for startups to, you um, know, it's, it's no longer a latent need. It's a, it's a very public need. And startups were able to really understand um, what the customer problems were and create solutions targeted towards them. So when you talk about a brand, you're talking about like, for example, there might be a company that's making, I know this isn't necessarily climate change related, but it is ecological, like a company that, well, I mean, it could be a company that's putting a lot of car, had a massive carbon footprint mm -hmm. um, and how that's now reacted to. Is that, right. is that? Yeah. So a company, for instance, one of our clients, you know, their main thing was, okay, I understand this is how much I emit, but where am I in the industry average? Right. And we looked at it and you're actually like in, you know, the bottom quartile. So you're actually doing better than more, most of your industry peers, both, you know, in your sector and in your region. And then they, they're like, okay, well, that gives me some context as to what my footprint means. You know, I know it's a lot, but is it a lot compared to GM or is it sure. a lot compared to like a small uh, B Corp or something? Right. So that context allows them to kind of frame it internally to their managers, be like, hey, guys, this is where we are. This is where we want to be. Um, and you know, this tool tells us how to get there. It's a different kind of problem that we're trying to solve here. Cause you know, you talk about, uh, you just mentioned that a startup has to, you know, it solves customer pain points. These aren't necessarily like, these are customer pain points, but not in the traditional yep. sense that capitalism, yeah. um, represents. And, you know, that's the thing is, as capitalism uh, has the ability to, very quickly and firmly solve specific problems when there's a financial upside. Yeah. And the financial upside here is being able to actually continue to financially do anything because, yeah. you know, certain things fall apart. It's a problem. Um, so, you know, the, as far as, as, as the, the for-profit nature goes of this, like, that's where it's a struggle. That's yeah. got, I mean, so you just mentioned, you know, we're talking company X here yeah. and they say, where's, where do I sit on the carbon footprint roadmap? And you say, well, I'm in the bottom quarter and it might be easy for them to say, well, I mean, we're not really part of the problem. Yeah. And, and it's, and the, the problem I, I think is that these companies look at this as an expense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it really is a cost of doing business for them. You know, they're like, well, we have to, so we're at least not, um, where we thought we were, or you know, there are better better places we could be. 
I think to to your earlier point about you know capitalism solving problems when we can measure what what our outcomes should be, I think we're just you know breaking the surface of measurable climate impact. Like we can, it's there are accounting frameworks out there now, and there's people being trained to handle those accounting problems. So uh, people, at least a subset of companies that are big polluters or high, high footprints, do understand and spend a lot of resources internally to manage and measure. And all we're doing them is giving them a tool. And it isn't unlike like a fintech product at that point. You know, it's, it's, I know it's climate change, but for them, it's just an organizational KPI. It's getting their internal managers on the same page. And it is to um, kind of market out externally to their stakeholders that here's where we are, here's where we're doing. So climate change itself is a starting point, but we, we, we very quickly distill it down to an organizational level KPI that they can understand and wrap their heads around something that we can measure and something that now looks a lot like an enterprise SaaS model, right? It's not. So how much of this is up to private industry to solve and how much of it is just pending deadlines that are coming up from regulatory changes? Um, we looking at the data, it's actually very uh, private sector driven at this point. Um, you know, some of the top down kind of political changes, regulations and you know landscape shifts have been, um, there's been quite a lag, you know, that there's a lot of, a lot of in- interest, there's legislation, but the impacts don't get felt to like five to 10 years right. down, downstream, you know, the 7,500 electric vehicle, federal tax credit that didn't really induce a bunch of car companies to start up. They're already there making products before that kind of helped the consumers pull that product, um, f- from the marketplace. So similarly, uh, government relations kind of set the tone, but companies are the actual ones that are doing stuff on the ground. And a lot of the emissions that you've seen uh, in America, at least, were in the investor-owned utilities who are like, you know what, we solar and wind is cheaper. There's storage available now. Why don't we create a new project and see how it does? I mean, you know, coal is not cost-effective anymore, right? Sure. So it's from an economic standpoint, it, companies find, it, find those options easier to switch to, not just on the basis of climate change, but on the basis of pure economics. So we're here in the state of Kansas, for those of you listening around the world, in Kansas, you know, right in the middle of the United States, has the second most wind of any state right behind Texas. And uh, that's something that, you know, 10 years ago, it was almost embarrassing how little wind energy Kansas was producing. And there's been a a very, uh, well, there's been a, it's been a focal point. And, you know, something that, you know, you can start, you see some of these countries in Europe that are on full levels of sustainability when it comes to like wind. Yeah. And these are the things that now where I'm going with this is, you know, you talk about let's, you know, we want to replace cars with electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. But much as I mentioned earlier, there's an issue, like sometimes one solution creates a different problem. Yeah. Well, the amount of energy that uh, that an electric car runs mm. is sometimes more than your home. Absolutely. And so now all of a sudden, if we all instantly switched, yeah. like literally instantly switched tomorrow, we would have a completely different set of problems. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's that's almost like onboarding neighborhoods on a day-to-day basis. You right. build peaker plants like left and right. Yeah, I never really thought about that recently. We were talking to one of the cohorts that was selected from the Launch KC mm-hmm. uh, Clean Tech mm-hmm. Initiative, and they were helping. Like their 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 business is based around helping solve the potential electric grid problems yeah. that would come up. And I and I'd never really even thought about that because yeah. it's easy to say, "Man, we should all switch to electric cars." Mm-hmm. 
well, those have to be charged. Yeah. They have to be plugged in. And then like, it's a whole nother like strain. Exactly. And on, on, by the way, on an electric grid that is not exactly current. Right. Like I, well, wow, that's, that's a pun. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it's not, you know, it's something that, that, um, and you look at certain, like you look at how climate change is also affecting things like the electric power grid. Mm -hmm. So California literally has built power plants that exist only for the reason of being turned on during peak electric times in the summer when it's hot. Right. And, and and that's a great example of what you were talking about earlier, you know, like what solutions are very interconnected and and the way the options work is it's, it's um, if it's sequenced one after the other, for instance, let's decarbonize the grid and then put a bunch of electric cars out. Right. That is a different footprint than let's put the electric cars out and then decarbonize the grid. Depending on which one you do first, you have vastly different outcomes. Yeah. So knowing even that insight of how things are related, I don't think we have a full grasp on it across the economy. We could kind of think about it one-on-one. You know, you could think about like ad hoc. Is that something you guys help measure? Yeah, absolutely. For, how, how do you do that? So for the, so our you know, back engine runs you know, a set of inputs and outputs. And um, knowing the level of electrification of every end use, so like if your home uses natural gas or propane or something, that's a different set of strategies than if you have an electric heater, right? Same way if you have um, a fleet of like 80% diesel cars and then 20% gasoline, you have different solutions than having 100% gasoline or whatever. So those are just inputs into our model. And depending on those inputs, we suggest fuel switching. We suggest, depending on the make and uh, model, what kind of high efficiency retrofits to consider um, behavioral changes like anti-idling for, for um, fleets, for instance. Um, so, you know, depending on what you're looking at, if it's a facility, if it's a building, if it's a fleet, if it's a standalone generator set, um, what all do you have in terms of assets and what, what are their impacts and doing what, when would give you what kind of an outcome? That's what our engine does. And then there's one part of that engine that is absolutely impossible to program or deal with, and that's making people care. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's true because, you know, as we all want to care and then sometimes it's, it's, and I'm not saying I'm one of these people, but it's hard. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, you don't, sometimes as a consumer, you don't get choices. You yeah. know, they say, you know, we want to get all the plastic out of the ocean. Well, give me more options to not use plastic. Right. Right. And it's, um, and, you know, you want to be conscious and take care of that part of, of stuff, Yeah, you know, and, and that's that, I think that's where it's hard. So what do you, what are you seeing in regards to other startups and the way that the, the economy is headed towards, you know, when it comes to, I don't know, consumer options, I mean, you, you agree that I, you have to agree. It's sometimes hard to mm-hmm. find the, to avoid the problem. Absolutely. I mean, if it's everywhere, right? So it's, it's one of those daunting challenges um, of, A, how do you make people care and, and how do you follow through? You know, if you do yeah. care and you do something, are you, um, how certain could you be that that has a lasting impact? Right? Well, it's hard because, you know, you look at what there's like 7 billion people on the planet. Are we up to eight? We're pretty close. We're getting pretty close, right? Two is when they cross over. Is that, is that when we had eight? Okay. So the paper that I wrote, I mean, it basically says, you know, it's these things become math mm-hmm. at some point. And, and the, the level of sustainability when it comes to our own population really starts to struggle at about 10 billion people. Yeah. I mean, like it becomes hard. And you, you ask why? Well, you have to grow food. Yeah. You have to have clean water. 
and there's this whole like there's this whole trickle down effect. And I remember it's funny when I was a kid, so I'm 44 years old. I remember my dad telling me, so um, if you were if you're as old as I am, then at some point you went through a you were a little kid and there was a fuel shortage, mm-hmm. like lines at the fuel pumps mm-hmm. and and just weird stuff. And I remember my dad telling me, he goes, by the time you're my age, people will fight wars over mm-hmm. water. And it's yeah. true. Yeah. Like they really are. Like think about like the access to it and, yeah. you know, some of the, um, you know, the, like in, uh, India and Bangladesh and yeah. some of those countries, you know, you look at these major sources of water that yeah. flow from one place to the other. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, I mean, do you now, how does a city that's trying to do stuff mm-hmm deal with the effects of others that are around them, you know, like, so so you look at like the United States and like, obviously Canada or Mexico's policies would have a big effect on us or even in DC. So DC, one of the cities that dynamics is, is, is involved with, you know, like, well, technically the district of Columbia is really small. Yeah. So you, it's surrounded by Virginia and Maryland. Right. So the what the decisions that Virginia and Maryland yep. make are probably going to trump whatever the actual District of Columbia does, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. The District of Columbia that I don't even think has representation in the Senate. Do they? they don't, there's no senator from. No, I don't because it's they, not a state, right? They have, they have some representation, but I don't think it's in the traditional. State I, I used to live there, and at one point there was a hot topic because they had produced license plates that were like. DC. No, they were God. What are they? No, no, uh, no taxation without representation. <laughs> like way back to like the 1700s. Yeah, so, yeah. so how do you help? You know, yeah, where does that data come in? Because, because like I said, when you're completely surrounded, like as mm-hmm. a country mm-hmm. or a city or a state or an entity, mm-hmm. like I mean, here in Kansas City, you talk. You were talking about uh, working with the city of Overland Park mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, it's just a small little blip when it comes yeah. to all the other things that are around it. Exactly. And that's why we are working with the Metro KC Climate Action Coalition. It's basically um, uh, a combination of 100 and so mayors and council members in the Metro KC, okay. Moen, Kansas region. And they have the same question as you, is that are we balancing each other out, right? Um, is this worth doing because someone else down the street could just emit twice as more and everything we did is wiped out? And that's a, it's a fair concern. In terms of how we handle that on the uh, on our product, we have a very hierarchical um, structure set up. So, for instance, this parcel, this tax lot, has its own emissions for the fiscal year 2019, right? This whole building. You share a part of it. Others are in here. Um, it's in a city. So the city can track which parcel is emitting what component of the emissions. In the same way, the state could look down at the city and be like, you know, Westwood is less than 1%. Overland Park is 8%. Topeka is like 14%, whatever. So they, they can see where it's coming from so they could engage specific actors. In DC, we have the same thing is we try to do an MSA level thing around, you know, College Park, Merritt, Baltimore, and um, DC areas that, okay, how could we work together? Because there's a lot of synergy. That's, that's an upswing. But, you know, one of the drawbacks of not working together is that we could potentially be, counter, you know, just right. canceling each other out. And people are looking for solutions that is more holistic and integrated, not just city by city. And that's that's where one of our key um, problem points arise for cities is that we need to be able to benchmark against each other and make sure that we're together on the path, not just independently. So that's something that's hard. 
It is, and it's even just what I just said to you to like explain the, that to the, mayors the, and councils. The simple, the simple version of that was it's really hard to get people to agree and get along. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you can give them and the frustrating, tools, but if frustrating. They don't agree, yeah. It, it it really is, but it's one of those things that um, as a startup, you have to test and kind of weather the frustration just to learn what it is. It is optimal for the company and for the product. And for us, you know, that has led to subsetting customers be like, okay, these are primary customers because they're, they're okay with going through this pain point and still weathering through like DC. They've been just phenomenal about working together. And regardless of how complex this is, we have to put up a stand. Same with Kansas city. I was actually very surprised for the whole Metro region. We had a summit um, two weekends ago in um, Johnson County community college and everyone was measuring their impact. I was, I was actually taken aback, you know, being in this world, I didn't really know that, um, some of the community colleges here locally were so diligent about their footprint. So that was really refreshing and give, give all of us a lot of hope. I think overall people, pro- they care, but like one of the hardest things that you probably have to deal with or we have to deal with when, when facing this, sh- this issue is, you know, you have to just understand general human nature. Mm-hmm. And that's we do what's easiest yeah. and like right in front of us, like right. the shortest path to whatever is what matters. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Like now, anywhere you go, I mean, pretty much universally across the United States, you'll find recycling options and different mm-hmm. stuff like that. Now I see a lot of press that says that, that they don't actually recycle a lot of that. But, you know, so Full Scale is an office in the Philippines and we have 175 employees there. And one of the big things that I was I was very adamant about was when we first right. So when we first opened our office there, we had about you know thirty people there. Mm-hmm. After we hired our first twenty, and we had ten when we started. And I was on a trip over there, and I noticed that we were consuming a lot of bottled water. Mm-hmm. And the re- and so why? Well, because the just realistically that you don't drink the water out of the tap. Yeah. And then, but we weren't recycling the bottles. And I was like, no, 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 yeah. we're not going to do this. Yeah. And I asked, and I just, I asked, I said, well, why, why isn't everyone pushing to recycle this stuff? And they said, well, um, we're just now learning about that. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. So, right. you know, immediately we, we created a recycling program within our own, within our own office. Now you know, these are the things that this level of re-education mm-hmm. and, and attainability. Now, I was just there a couple of weeks ago and I mean, things were being sorted and put it in, you know, put in the right stuff. We also got rid of bottled water and like, here's a cup, right. fill it up yeah. from this, you know, this, this jug of water, yeah. which is purified and ready to go. Right. And that's, you know, so just these little things and, and it's difficult to look at these solutions and say, man, my actions alone. Mm-hmm are making this massive difference, but yeah. you have to think about it. Like how many grains of sand does it take to, to yeah. make a beach? Right. And you know, we're all this little tiny, tiny, tiny part. Right. So how much of your efforts go into awareness? Um, a lot actually. So in the climate action coalition, a lot of people were like, yeah, but you know, what can we do? You know, cities are doing great things. What could we do? And we're like, here, this is what you do. And they're like, they were just like, Oh, so if I do this, it's 12% of my footprint. That's huge. I didn't even consider that, you know, so. The what are what are a couple examples of that? So um, a couple of examples would be, you know, insulation in your home if you own a home, right? So that's, there are cost effective ways, like less than a year payoff that you save in bills. If you just invested like 
$85 and better insulation. No one considers that. They're like, oh, I don't have roof space with solar. It's like, oh, hold on, let's not go to solar. Let's see in terms of efficiency and you know cost-effective things what you could be doing. Um, and that was one of the bigger biggest solution sets of, of the entire Kansas City like parcels is that depending on when they were built and how they're oriented, a massive amount of savings on, on electricity and natural gas would come from efficiency measures. And they're all bankable so that, you know, you could make an investment and recoup it within the end of the year. And um, that kind of everyone started talking about, oh, what about commercial? You know, I have a huge space. Could we do the same thing? They're yeah. like, yeah, there's retro commissioning. People will literally come out and do audits for free and tell you what, you know, really where you should be spending your money. So these solutions are just all ad hoc. You know, they're just out there. They're not called climate change. They're called like, property, something, assessments, appraisal, you know. But when you bring the full suite of things together, then you're like, ah, so that's what you meant. If I were to do this project, it would help my, you know, um, operational costs. But also, I show up on the system as... Well, I'll give you an example. Six years ago, when my wife and I moved back to Kansas City, we moved into our house. The very first thing I did was take all of the old school light bulbs. Yeah out you know these were like 60 and like 120 watt bulbs yeah. and like you know like you look at little goofy things like a chandelier yeah. in your entryway oh, yeah. has like all these little bulbs and like you start and looking at them you're like my god this is like a, a huge amount of energy and you yeah. start replacing them and like in the chandelier had like these little 60 watt candle bulbs mm -hmm. in them and you know you, you go and replace those and those are like six watt or yeah. seven watt right. bulbs and now i spent 500 bucks doing this. And some people look at that and they'll be like, dude, I'm not spending $500 yeah. on light bulbs. I haven't changed any of those bulbs yeah. six years later. I really haven't. Right. And I saw an immediate dip yeah. in my electric bill. Well, those people actually are spending $500 on Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to spend it one they way or the other. Well, first off, I haven't had to change a light bulb in that, in that same time period. And then also, I mean, I did notice a noticeable savings. Now I haven't really been keeping score on that, yeah. but it was just like, I don't know. It was just bothersome. Yeah. And, and great examples are Nest, right? Like that's a clean yeah, tech have company. That, I did that too. And, yeah. Did that so too. That, that's also one of, you know, behavioral things, mm -hmm. like things that you just don't want to deal with end up costing you. Yep. Um, there's software out there that helps you deal with it. Right. So yeah. All these solutions are not necessarily, you know, you have to care and understand and you have to like compare your action against, you know, a dip in the ocean. You you can't you do have products out there that are doing really well that are helping customers solve problems. We're taking all those outcomes and reorienting it towards a wider problem. I think one of the things too, if people don't don't wrap their arms around this as consumers, that if you if we don't do this willingly, we're gonna have to be forceful about it. Yeah, and um or you know, just the amount of risk that we have, like, you know, Kansas City is at risk of desertification. I think the fifth most desertified city in the, over the next, you know, decade. Those can affect, have effect beyond what you mean, Meaning from drought? Yeah. Okay. Drought. So, like, extreme heat and, you yeah. know, the breadbasket of, of America. Now, now some people look at that and, and here in the Midwest over the, over the last year, it's been ridiculously rainy. Yeah. And now look, that's a, that's an effect. That's yeah. a climate change. It has rained more in the last year. Like it's actually swampy and floody yeah. in, in a lot of places. I, um, my neighbor just recently, uh, earlier this year drove through Nebraska and sent me some pictures and I was just like, holy shit, like yeah. this stuff is like underwater. And, and it's happening now. It's no longer a future problem. No, no. It. And it's, like, yeah, but that's part of what, what that, that matters. And, you know, some people are like, uh, I've heard people say, you know, oh, it's not, it's, it's, uh, well, 
first off, three years ago here in Kansas City, there was a day in December when it was 65 degrees. I mean, it was like Christmas yeah. and it was 65. And wow. I was like, wow, that's uh, warm. Yeah. <laughs> that's warm. Uh, but, you know, that all stirs things up. It, and it creates, creates a level of severity of storms and weather patterns mm-hmm. that we're also not used to seeing. And the impact it has on just day-to-day activities, like, you know, bonds can fail if the payouts over time get affected. If yeah. properties get destroyed, which yeah. is happening in Florida and all the coasts, you don't, as a city, you don't have uh, an avenue of recouping, you know, debt. They can't serve as debt anymore. And that that could affect, you know, hospitals, schools, roads. I mean, um, Moody's made a big play on acquiring a startup that, um, a majority share of a startup that basically does visualization of uh, climate impacts for cities. And, and, and they're using it to reevaluate ratings. To see. And well, and the, and the cities that are affected are big. Absolutely. I mean, you're looking at like New York. I mean, ba- the majority of people live on the coast. Yeah. And you don't know where they're going to move. You know? Yeah, right. It's, it's like maybe, to Kansas, just... might, maybe it's front property in Kansas. <laughs> and one thing I, I, sh- I do want to mention, like I'm originally from Bangladesh and there's the biggest migration known in modern, I don't know if it's modern. Is, or is Bangladesh the country that's like kind of be going underwater yeah, in a lot of places? And that's, that's that's I mentioned that earlier because yeah. uh, um, and that's directly south of India. That's yeah, east of India. Okay, but yeah. are they connected? They I'm sorry, connected. For, yeah. no, for, forgive my geography <laughs> here. But very connected. Yeah. I didn't want to quote something that was wrong, but they're they're having a massive. Uh, well, a lot of it is going underwater, right? Yeah. Don't they have like a flood season? They have a, a massive flood season, and 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 the bad part is, you know, people can't just up and move. Like here, we're very mobile. We right. move all the time. There, it's like people have been in one tract of land for generations yeah and their whole livelihood is tied to that land so when you're when you say you know the impact of climate change it's a millions of people because population density is like off the charts and b they have no option they cannot just up and move so we're this like it's just like all the perfect uh you know orientation for things to go really bad what's well, a human it's a human crisis it I is mean, it's, I mean, a, it's a different about, it's a different type of disaster but yeah think about syria we're so worried about we are we should be but it's three million people like looking at the scale you know three three or so million people are going to europe and they, they're overburdened imagine 35 million people from one country and yeah. then there's others that are going to have to you know so for the world i mean this is uh it's quite a daunting challenge and it's easy to just be like well you know give your you know just be like oh we can't do much this, this is crazy but we've been through like tougher times i think that you know I saw opeds all the time about World War II and the industrial machine in America, how they just turned things around because there was a huge need that people understood. And I feel like, you know, with um, the things happening in the UN, with uh, Greta that coming to the US, I mean, pe- the next generation is very aware and uh, they may not know exactly what to do, but they know that they want to do it. Isn't and- the relationship between Bangladesh and India one of those where, where, um, I, I, I don't know if it would get to the point of conflict, but do, I think a lot of the water that flows into to Bangladesh comes, there. comes yeah, from, from India. And that was, that yeah. was actually, well, which by the way, is a whole nother environmental yeah, issue. Right. But I mean, it, it, gosh, they're, they're literally, I sometimes see the news about what they're trying to do in the Ganges. They're like, like thought about deploying flesh eating turtles because people dump dead people. Yeah. And they're I mean, like, that's my God, ritual, like, you know, like, yeah, I know, but like man, a billion people yeah. that they use that for whatever. And, you know, and I saw another thing too, related to India where, you know, there's a lot of people that all right, this is a weird topic. They like to poop outside. Yeah. And the problem is, is that washes in 
to the public waterways. Yeah. And, and it, it creates a whole nother environmental issue. Exactly. And billions have been deployed on lake water projects, but mm -hmm. it's not just, it's, it's just not sticking because it's not as impactful as people thought on, right. on paper. Well, know, okay, yeah. And like you said, I think India did commit like a huge sum of money and that, yeah. and that wasn't really making progress the yeah. way that it was. And even, so. you know, we have, you know, water.org here locally that's doing a lot of cool things in India, but the sheer massive scale of a billion people, you know, in a in a country where the infrastructure wasn't really designed for sure. 2019, one billion citizens. That's that it's it's a beast of, of its own. But Bangladesh, it's yeah, it's it's just a perfect storm of not being able to react quickly, not being responsible for the emissions that were you know are ultimately affecting their landmass, and just the geopolitical problems that we can expect you know being so in that we talked about the hard part getting is getting people to care mm -hmm. and you know some of these countries have a different uh well they just have a different economic outlook mm -hmm. on certain things and yeah. the population as a whole might not uh, make the same kind of money or and so now you look at uh, two-wheeled vehicles mm -hmm. so when i go to the philippines like everyone's yeah. riding scooters like when mm -hmm. i say scooters they're really more like dirt bikes yeah and these things are they 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 spit out pollution. Yeah, and you know I think Ace Wagner was here. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, so yeah. you know, and that and that's what we were just talking about yeah. with Ace. And you know, the, the look back at the, uh, um, you know, I can't remember, I don't know what episode number it'll it will have already come out by the time this one comes out. But they make a carburetor product. Yeah, that is you know the but the problem that they've got is you know you look at most of these bikes that people are buying they're a thousand dollars US and this is an eight hundred dollars solution. Yeah, exactly. So I said you got to try to get people to care and yeah. then you have to and so one of the things that is is that you that dynamics and once again go check that out D Y N A mhex.com they're also on twitter and linkedin you can find them there by the way while you're out there on the internet check us out at start a puzzle podcast on instagram or on youtube um but how do you work with cities to help them understand the supply chain issues because one of the things we talked about with ace was you know like when someone's vehicle breaks they don't want to wait for the repair like hey let me get this eco-friendly yeah thing in for you and it, you know it's like a whole nother the supply chain is is tough yeah. like how do you get that in how do you keep it in stock one of the things that i think they were hoping to do was possibly see support from larger um multinational OEMs. you know like the un or just oh, okay. something yeah. just like large you know something to supplement yeah that cost so yeah. how do you guys work with with the supply chain issues that come up with all these problems yeah so we're targeting you know chief sustainability and resilience officers within american cities that have ordinances out saying hey we have you know we we want we have the goals of making you know 30 percent reduction of emissions by this year so they're for them their departmental goals are very you know specific and what they want to do now is instead of like hoping they meet it somehow you know because they don't really have the tools or the engagement um metrics to uh tell you, for instance, hey, this is what you should be doing, Matt, you know, since they don't have that, we provide that avenue by saying, okay, your goals are 30%, 12% could come from buildings, and here are the 10 big commercial people you could talk to. These are companies, and they have their own goals, right? They have their own sustainability goals, and these are big brands, and they're like, okay, if I reduced my emissions by 10%, it helps KC reduce it by two, mm -hmm. or something like that. So we're now dealing with specifics. We're dealing with specific projects. We're dealing with specific metrics, we're with specific timelines. So now they both the chief sustainability officer and 
resilience folks within a corporation can talk to each other, be like, okay, so by, by in the next two years, let's try considering this project together. And this is happening all across um, the U.S. You know, Bloomberg Philanthropies funded like $70 million in terms of helping 25 cities do just this. Bill Gates funded the Breakthrough Energy Venture where they're like, okay, how do we get cities and bigger municipal governments to really see what they're up against and what they should do? So people are talking about different aspects of it. We just tie it all together with one dashboard, one guy signing in and being, okay, well, this is cool. I, I, I now know what my ordinance means, and these are the 10 projects that I'm going to spend the next quarter looking over. How challenging is it to keep up with all that stuff? Because, I mean, you're talking about ordinance and uh-huh. like, I mean, so I don't even have any idea how many cities or municipalities there mm-hmm. are in the United States. It's 346, actually. 346. Cities. Okay, cities. US, but so. each of them have like, I, I mean, okay, so that's cities. And, but what cl- classifies as a city? Because like, is Derby, Kansas? So there's incorporated and unincorporated cities. Uh, the 346 are actually cities with a council and a mayor okay. and, you know, a sizable population. So that's not as many as I thought. But there's more that are considering it, but these are, I mean, these 350 or so cities probably account for like 70% of the GDP. Right? Okay. So it's like big California cities, Texas, New York, Florida. Um, so... And those are the ones where we can make the biggest impact yeah, the I mean, fastest. You know, sure. There's a thing called America's Pledge funded by Michael Bloomberg, which is basically after the feds pulled out of Paris, which cities still need to be in in order to make a dent. And um, so that's, you know, cities are big enough to make an impact. And, and there is a way to measure what that impact is. And people are doing that right now. Yeah, we said we wouldn't get political, so I'm no, not going to comment it, on that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's more. I, I do just honestly. I, I I struggle with the fact that this isn't a this isn't a political topic. It's right. a global issue, Absolutely. and and you know I've always I always like to look at myself, and I think everyone should as a global citizen. And like, I mean, it's this isn't just about fixing like USA. Yeah. You know, it's about this is a it, it is all tied together, mm-hmm. and you know any country anywhere. Um, it's really gross out there, man. Like you just like look at so much stuff. I mean, think about it. There is a, there is a garbage patch the size of Texas floating yeah. in the Pacific ocean. Like wrap your arms around that people and tell me if you think that's like, if there's anything okay with that. It's and crazy. you know, and then some of so many of the other things. Well, and I, and once again, man, I really commend you for, for taking action and, and being a leader. Um, that's, I mean, it's important. It's important. So what, what do you think that, that the world of startups are going to be able to do a better job at like what can startups in general do? Like, cause, cause here's the thing is it's tough to, it's tough to start a business. It's even tougher to start a business that isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily have a short range bullseye yeah. on profitability. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, I mean, cause if, if if you're an investor and I come pitch you and I'm like, I'm going to change the world, yeah. Sonny, I am going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I need $5 million from your fund mm-hmm. to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, man, I really love what you're doing and I have a lot of respect for it, but this isn't for me right yeah, now. Yeah. This is not what, yeah. So how, how do we solve um, that problem? Yeah. And I think, okay. So going back to what startups can do like broadly, I think, um, you know, the, the example of having a energy efficiency policy out there that's kind of fluffy and like till 2030, 2050, and then Nest being the vehicle through which that, that takes place. So if you give startups 
the metrics and you attach a pain point to it, which is what I described with the sustainability officers, then startups are now able to frame the problem, create a solution, and work to scale it. And I, I personally don't believe that climate change is so far out there that you can't put it in that framework. I, I think I think you can, and, and there are successful startups doing that today in the uh, climate uh, climate change sphere. Um, going up to an investor and pitching, hey, this is what we want to do. We want to change the world in 2050. That's not necessarily our approach. Our approach is basically we're helping cities today. They are going to council tomorrow. You know, they, they have a pain point where they can't really tell the wider citizenry that this is what we're doing. They're doing some great things. They're deploying millions of dollars worth of projects, but not having the ROI because people don't get it. People don't right. get why this is important. So when, once you create that framework that I just talked about in, in, a, in a more SaaS model way where every year you get to update the modules, you get to you know really provide them these services, then it's not just about climate change. It's about organizational performance. And it just happens to be climate change, but it's at that point like any other product. You know, I think this is something that, you know, honestly, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I mean, just the whole thing. Like, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's just a lot of gross stuff out there. I mean, like this, like, I'm not kidding about the garbage patch. Yeah. Like, it's, like that is like ridiculous. I mean, you know, one uh, guy, an economist once said that we, our world is, you know, finite. The resources yeah. are finite. And, yeah. you know, there's no infinite growth. Every time no. you want to grow, like that makes sense in terms of like money. Like yep. you can have a high growth company and grow forever in theory, but you cannot do that with, services to people the more people if they have 8 billion people guess what they're gonna at some point be pushing the limits and that's just reality we're already pushing them yeah we already pushed we started pushing them probably like a decade ago i didn't realize that we were here in kansas facing desertification isn't that crazy like a lot of people in kansas city wouldn't even consider they're like well we're not gonna get flooding from the sea they're like yeah but that's not all climate change yeah but but here's the issue you know how much, your, how much of your food comes yeah. from this state and the surrounding how areas? Much of your paycheck comes from the coast. You know, if like, they dry up, yeah. it's a problem, people. I mean, you're yeah. talking about a lot of corn, wheat, soy, all that yeah. stuff. I right. mean, if and for those of you that haven't been to Kansas, there is Kansas City, which is sitting there on the border yeah. of Kansas and Missouri. Yeah. And if you drive about 30 miles west, it is an entire state filled with crops. Yep. Yeah. Filled with crops for a lot in Nebraska, yeah. same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of those states, Iowa, just the whole the whole Midwest yeah. is so centric around that. And you know, if that if that goes away and that becomes problematic, and that's another thing too. You know, we've had so we've done a um, just just been trying to get interesting entrepreneurs and people in here. You know, just talk about just different things. Like we've done a series on hemp and cannabis, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, like our our we're going to be doing a lot of clean tech stuff uh, as we host the different companies that um, Black and Beach got involved with and mm-hmm. the launch K- KC Clean Tech startup. Yep. And you know, the thing is, is I do I do believe that we as entrepreneurs and founders and just people can take care of this, but it's one piece at a time. I I love what you're doing, man. And once again, if you get a chance, go to D Y N A M H E X. Uh, You can look up Sunny Sunwar on, on the Google. I'm sure we can find you somewhere. And um, you know, what do you you have any, uh, anything you'd like to say on the way out? Any, any words of encouragement or anything we can do to support what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, like, 
Yuki just said, check us out. Um, it's an exciting time. It's not a long-term horizon. There are things you could do today. There are things, ways you can get engaged. And uh, I think it's an exciting time. I'd like to think of it as a very exciting time where we have the ability to play a big role instead of thinking about the likelihood of those goals leading to, you know, something good or think bad. Think of how like, cool the comeback story is on it, this absolutely. one. Absolutely. Like you're like down, you know, yeah. four and there's only 30 seconds yeah. left. And you're yeah. like, okay, well, this... I like I like these kinds of challenges. So like the nine points in seven seconds right. comeback or something, you know, like, and and that's the thing is I think it does require a lot of teamwork. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, once again, if you want to check out FullScale, go to FullScale.io. You can see the uh, video version of this on our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram at, at Startup Hustle Podcast. Sonny's business is e- easy to find at Dynamics.com. That's D Y N A H or D-Y-N-A-M-H-E-X.com. You can look him up on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, Do him a favor and send a link to what he does to someone that is in local government or doing something and just say, hey, check this out. Anyway, see you next time. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.